Um, thanks everyone for being here. Um, we're very, very excited to talk about this topic. Um, it's, it's something that's not discussed very often. Um, and today we wanted to discuss the actual truths about singleness um, and ultimately our trust in God's sovereignty over our lives as singles. And there are many misconceptions about singleness and singles in society and unfortunately within the church as well. Um, and by the end of this forum, um, our hope is that each single and married person will have a better understanding of God's view on singleness and how we can maximize our singleness for the furtherance of God's kingdom. So my name is Natalia Bartos. I'm from, I currently attend the Windsor Church in Canada. I'm Judah Weinhart, and I'm from Worcester, Ohio. My name is Ben Husty, and I'm from Portland, Oregon. In Brunswick Hills, correct. <laughs> and it, yeah, everywhere, basically. So. <laughs> okay, so... You are single because blank. So I want to open this up to the audience. Um, I want you to fill in this blank, to shout out some answers that either you, maybe you have received um, because you're single or um, your understanding of cult, like the culture's understanding of singleness. So how would, how would we fill in that blank? So one example um, I have is you are single because you are picky. So what are some other, other, other thoughts you might have? Don't be shy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, you smell bad. <laughs> Career focus, that's a good one. That can be for men and women. Sorry? No one's asked. No one's answered. <laughs> No one's answered, yeah. The right one hasn't come along. Okay, good. All right. Anything else? Workaholic? Sorry? You might be boring. Okay, so personality issues. Standards are too high. Not approachable. Different values. Not ready. Okay. So what I've noticed for most of these blanks um, is that it has everything to do with us, right? Like it's it's almost as if we're the ones in control of that, right? Um, and these comments, whether it's directed to to us or we kind of think of um, these comments to other people, um, it might elicit feelings of inadequacy or a lower status in society. Um, and it can even cause a single person to believe that there is an insufficiency in their lives um, and that only marriage can fill that. But what really should be said to a single person um, is you are single because God wants you single right now. And there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with being single. Um, and this is truth number one. It's pretty simple, generic, but as we go through this presentation, um, I pray that each person in this room, single or married, will begin to appreciate just how profound this truth is and realize its significance in your life. So as I mentioned um, at the beginning, singleness in society is second class within the church as well. Um, and it needs to be elevated to what God what, what God views singleness to be, and what uh, is God's perspective. 
So let's look at truth number two. Singleness and marriage are equally good. Um, and I want to look at the Bible um, and, and see what God is saying to his people throughout history. And we'll just start with history. So in Genesis 127, 28, God creates the earth and the animals, and he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 28, and he says to Abraham, And in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So this is how the people of God were growing. Um, and there are often points of tension around barrenness and questions about an heir. So in Sarah and Rachel's um, barrenness, God says to them, I will bless you in this way, which is giving you a son. Um, so barrenness is pretty much implied that it was, it was a curse. Um, and you needed to produce an heir. Otherwise, like in, in Deuteronomy 25, um, God is saying, like, if you don't have an heir, um, your name will be blotted out. So he provides a way. So if, you know, the wife, her husband dies, um, God provides a way by, you know, she shall marry the husband's brother, and then the firstborn child will be, be the, the late husband's heir. Um, so we're seeing that marriage was seen as the avenue through which the people of God were to multiply through physical procreation, um, and singleness was highly undesirable. So, for example, eunuchs, their physical sexual capacity was taken from them. Widows were encouraged to remarry as soon as possible. Um, and the diseased were often single, like lepers were often single. Um, and divorce was rare. So, let's switch to prophecy. Isaiah 53, is talking about Jesus. He was cut off out of the land of the living, meaning he didn't have a physical heir, Jesus. Um, when his, but when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring running, going down, um, and he shall make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. So we're already seeing that there's, yeah, there's not a physical heir that Christ is having, but he's making many to become righteous. So we're almost, we're starting to see like a spiritual heir. Um, and that new covenant in Christ in Isaiah 54, prophecy again, seeing, O barren one who did not bear, Break forth into singing and cry aloud, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Isaiah 56, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. So we see that Jesus is switching the Old Testament mentality of singleness, so cursed, barren, name cut off, into his name is most definitely not cut off. Ooh, sorry. He shall see his seed. Sorry. He shall see his offspring. And many will be accounted righteous through him. So it's a picture that's not about physical offspring, but spiritual offspring. Um, and advancing the kingdom and multiplication of the people of God, not through physical procreation, but spiritual regeneration. So for singles and even for, for mothers who can't bear children, you know, if the Lord continues, well, in, in the singleness perspective, if the Lord continues to give you the gift of singleness for the rest of your life, know that there's a name and a monument that is better than sons and daughters. <clears throat> Truth number two, both singleness and marriage portray the gospel. Um, and I've, I've heard before that um, only marriage portrays the gospel, and I'm excited to set it straight. So, as, we've, as we know, in Ephesians 5, marriage portrays Christ's sacrificial love for the church, um, as well as the church's submissive obedience to Christ. 
But singleness, on the other hand, portrays Christ, the Christian's ultimate identity in Christ, which is the opposite of the world's view on singleness, which is saying you need a spouse to complete you. Um, but in fact, we are fully complete in Christ. Husband and a wife are not necessary um, for satisfaction, sustenance, and sufficiency. Um, and in Christ, I have everything I need and everything I want. And it all, singleness also portrays the Christian's eternal place within the church. Um, in Genesis 2.18, God says, it is, good not, it is not good for a man to be alone. And we often, you know, we refer to that in a marriage sense. Yes, it's true, but it's also, you know, God created us as human beings, um, as eternal brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and therefore, no man or woman is alone. We are surrounded by brothers and sisters in an eternal sense. And our relationships with each other are, are far more permanent and more precious than the physical relationship between a, a husband and a wife. So a fam, physical family relationship um, equals temporary, but a spiritual relationship in the church, um, that's eternal. So we're starting to see that singleness is evidence of God's grace. It is not curse, but grace. So we need to focus on how we can best steward the gift that God has given us at this moment. So truth number four. Both singleness and marriage are God's gifts. So in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul writes to the church and he says, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath this, his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. But as God has distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Are you bound to a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. So wherever we find ourselves right now, married or single, at this moment we have a unique gift in our marriage or in our singleness. So in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is basically saying, be content in whatever um, gift you've been given um, and find contentment in what God has given me. Um, And that contentment means we have a deep trust in the sovereignty of God. And that's key. So are we trusting what God has given us at this moment? Um, So we need to enjoy that grace, that gift of grace from God. So again, God gives us these gifts for our enjoyment, and there's no need to worry or fear looking for greener pastures. Truth number five, both singleness and marriage are for God's glory. They're unique challenges and unique rewards, and the issue isn't between married um, and singleness. The issue isn't whether we're married or single, but how we respond to each and how we glorify God in each. Um, God has different designs for both, and they're both for his glory. Singleness has a purpose that we must not um, waste. God designed singleness for a reason. Um, And this reason will slowly be expanded on throughout the rest of this presentation. And we'll see how we can maximize our singleness for the furtherance of God's kingdom. So one point I want to really address is that our ultimate joy is not found in earthly relationships or our marital status or our position in society. So if we seek after God as our highest and ultimate treasure, our, our joy will be complete through him. And we'll be like the man who found you know, treasure in the field in Matthew, Matthew 13, 44. Um, and in his joy, he sold all that he had so he can buy that field. So do we treasure and savor Christ, his salvation, his, his um, spirit within us, our communion with him, all these beautiful, perfect things? Do we treasure that more than anything else in our lives? Um, and do we, with joy, give up our plans, even our dreams um, and desires, counting them as dung in order to gain Christ? So this is what Jesus and the apostles and the patriarchs were trying to say. 
in the Bible. Um, and the next few slides will equip us with some practical ways to treasure Christ as our ultimate good and joyfully give of ourselves um, to gain him. Yeah, thanks, Natalia. All right, so thank you. Yeah, so, um, you know, we had a, a great time putting this forum together, and, um, you know, we love all of you guys, and we want, hopefully this forum encourages you and challenges you and uplifts you, um, regardless of if you're married or single, and um, just continue to, to think about things so we can have a really good discussion at the end of this presentation as well. Um, so getting into uh, marriage is not the mission. Um, you know, the, the theme this year is be holy, and I think um, singleness and holy living kind of um, intertwine nicely with the theme here. Um, to worship God and to enjoy him. You know, I think about in Luke 10, where some of Jesus' followers are excited because they have, um, you know, power over spirits and things like that. And Jesus says, like, hold on, guys. Like, your name's written in the book of life. Rejoice in that. And, um, you know, sometimes I lose sight of that, and I don't get that excited about the fact that my name's written in the book of life, and I lose that eternal perspective. And I think when we do have that perspective, then um, we're going to be willing to, uh, to serve others and to serve Christ's bride, which is the church. Um, and we're going to talk about a variety of different ways we can do that. Um, and then to win souls and to reach out and evangelize. You know, how many people in this room know great people that aren't Christians? Raise your hand. They, they're super polite at work. They're nice. And I think that, you know, sometimes we fall into the trap of just saying, like, I'm going to be extremely nice and friendly and they're just going to know I'm a Christian, and they're going to automatically bring it up. Um, you know, sometimes that's not the case. And so I think verbally sharing our faith is really important, and we can do that single or married. I was actually looking at a Barna, uh, a Barna poll recently, and um, 50% of Christians, only 50% of Christians have shared their faith with one individual in the last calendar year. Um, and so I would challenge this group here today that um, we should be reaching out and not only living the life, but also, um, you know, talking to people about the gospel. And, you know, the results aren't up to us. We, we're called to serve and to love and to, um, to share good news. And who here doesn't like sharing good news? I think we all do. But if it isn't received, then, you know, that's, um, that's just something that we can't, um, we can't be too concerned about. We're called to, uh, to evangelize and share the gospel. So um, just like to challenge everyone in that regard. So when we understand that marriage isn't our ultimate mission, now this isn't an anti-marriage uh, forum, but when we understand that, um, that marriage isn't the ultimate be-all, end-all, um, we're going to have more contentment in marriage, and that's a really freeing aspect of life because we're not going to be um, you know, stressed out or worried or um, you know, it's not going to be on our mind 24-7. We'll just be content. Um, but we, we don't want to be complacent, right? There's a, a fine line there. And so I think... It's really important to be content, but sometimes life has a way of lulling us into a sense of complacency. And I just want to challenge everyone to, uh, to continue to, to be uncomfortable and to challenge yourself whether you're married or single and not fall into a, a, um, you know, a rut of complacency. We're going to have more discernment in relationships. You know, I think um, I, I wasn't here on, on, on Tuesday afternoon, but um, the brother that had the sermon talked about being unequally yoked. And... Um, you know, I think the Bible is unequivocally clear about that. We need to be super um, thoughtful of that because, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, in a marriage relationship that aren't really going to matter a whole lot. So, like, what your favorite color is, where you like to go on vacation. There's a lot of, like, irrelevant, erroneous um, things. But, 
one thing that we can't compromise on is um, faith in Jesus. And um, so we need to be really discerning of that. Um, now, that's not to say that we shouldn't have, you know, friends and, and, and people we hang out with that aren't Christians, um, because that's a great witnessing opportunity. But in certain relationships, we have to be really discerning. Um, and then just in general, more joy in living. Um, you know, there's a lot we can do in our current state or, or if we're married, um, you know, in the future, there's a lot we can do there. But um, just really, you know, life is too short to sit back and, um, and you know, just wish we were somewhere else. There was this one poem that I frequently reference, and it was, it's talking about the seasons. And the guy continues to say, I wish it was winter because, you know, I love the snow, and I wish it was spring because the flowers are budding and things like that. So just being uh, joyous and content in our current state um, is, is going to be really important for us. So how can we strengthen our relationship with Christ? Um, there's a lot of points on this slide. Um, I want to focus on, on two in particular, maybe three. Um, getting uncomfortable. I think, like I mentioned earlier with complacency, we have a tendency just to do what we feel comfortable doing. We don't like to step out of our comfort zone. Maybe that's hosting someone. Maybe that's being hospitable. Um, so just really focus. I think God calls us to a lot more than a life of comfort. Um, you know, if you're, you know, go on a mission trip or, or go, to, go, go to experience, um, you know, something in a different culture, those will, if you're continuing to challenge yourself, um, you'll, you'll live a, a much more full life. And uh, it was one of our first ladies said that you should do something that you fear every day. And that's not in a reckless, that's not like jumping off a, a cliff or like taking that amazing Instagram picture while you're like, you know, hanging off the side of a ledge. But, um, but yeah, just getting uncomfortable, continuing to challenge yourself um, and, uh, and see how God can use you because we're all imperfect human beings. We all have challenges and struggles and fears. But um, if we continue to push that needle, God, God's going to be faithful to, uh, to help us through whatever. Um, and then another bullet point I wanted to focus on was the truth will set you free. Um, you know, I, growing up, I wanted to be known as this really cool dude that had everything together, no worries, no issues, and um, that was just a facade that I was putting on, and I think that was um, tied deeply with pride in my life, and um, as I've been able to open up to people and they've been able to speak truth into my life, it's been a wonderful uh, ministry opportunity for me, and um, so I would, just, I would just encourage everyone to um, just be open and share what's on your heart and your mind and your struggles with others. You know, it doesn't have to be with everyone, but if you have, have a trusted mentor or friend um, that's a believer, I would really encourage, um, you know, open sharing. And, um, you know, that's how we can really help each other out because life is tough and we all need each other. Um, we're all part of the body of Christ, so we can all help encourage and uplift each other. Um, and then never give up. God, God's always with us regardless of uh, whatever challenge we're going through in life. So um, just really focus on, on serving the Lord and he's, uh, he's never going to let you down. Yeah, just to add to that a little bit, um, on the previous slide, I don't know if you caught the, the quote on the bottom, um, but I thought it was a really good one. Um, you know, the scripture says, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Um, but we often insert so many other things into that, right? And I think one of those things often is marriage, right? Is having a family, is having a kid. And to some extent, I think God has kind of put that desire within most of us, uh, it's a natural desire to have those things. Um, but uh, that desire can quickly kind of carry over into uh, an area of my life where it's my, my main focus. And that's not what it means to live. To live 
is Jesus Christ. Uh, and just keeping that aspect where it should be uh, is, is really crucial. Thank you. And on this slide here, um, one of my biggest lessons I've learned in the last year is to let go of my dreams. And that um, I struggled with for years about that. And I'm like, well, if it's a good dream, like, wouldn't God want me to have that? And the reality is, no, like, he wants you completely dependent on him and his provision. So whatever your future looks like, like, in God's eyes, like, I should tr be trusting that that is the best for me. And I shouldn't have, I shouldn't be holding on and clutching on to these dreams that um, might be getting in the way from God using me to the, to the fullest. variety of initiatives and ways that we can continue to build character and integrity. Um, a few that I wanted to highlight, so understanding and utilizing our, our gifts and talents for God's kingdom. Um, has anyone here like taken a survey or, um, or done anything to like really understand kind of your gift or um, anything like that? Or like spoken with others or, yep, I see one in the back over there. Yep, so it looks like some people have. If you haven't, I would encourage you to go down that avenue. That's a really good way to understand um, just maybe what your gifts may be. Prayerfully consider how you can serve um, in the Lord's kingdom, and you might be surprised. Um, so understand that and then pursue, pursue what God has um, for you specific, specifically tied to that gift. Um, meeting the spiritual, emotional, and physical needs of others. So I think of just a really good practical application here is like with maybe new converts or people seeking the Lord, um, maybe take them out to like an all-you-can-eat like pancake breakfast or something and just say, hey, here are like the four things that, that Satan tried to deceive me with when I first gave my life to the Lord. He said I was too young and that I was going to miss out on the life of the party. He said I could never finish, um, finish the journey. Um, you know, whatever those things were, just be transparent and honest. And um, I think that will be greatly appreciated by um, individuals in your church or, um, you know, so just continue to, and when, when people come to your mind, just act on that, um, act on that thought. You know, send them an encouraging message. Um, try to meet up for dinner. You might be surprised how much that could uplift someone and encourage them um, in, you know, on a Tuesday night or whatever. Um, guarding against unholy sexual desires. You know, the Bible talks about making no provision for the flesh. So this is kind of like an all-it-takes, all like all-hands-on-deck type of initiative. I don't think this is something to be like passive about per se. I think that it's really important that we're making no provisions to, uh, to be tempted and, um, and just being, being really firm on um, just the influences and the things that we're willing to subject ourselves to. Um, unholy desires, uh, well, selfish unholy desires. Um, and I think about desires, um, selfish desires in general. I think as a single person, that's one thing that we can kind of fall into. Um, you know, I live on my own, so I don't like to have a whole lot of like, people that I have to report to at all. Um, you know, I had the opportunity, I grew up with six sisters, and um, they're all awesome, but like the line for the bathroom in the morning is like considerably longer, like now it's pretty short. Um, so, so I, but you know, and that's kind of like a whatever, but um, you know, I just think like right now I don't have like a whole lot of things that I have to like wait on people for or whatever, so I think just understanding that and making sure that we're carving out time for others and, um, and just not getting too set in our ways or selfish. Um, and then just supporting church initiatives. It's wonderful that you guys are all here at camp. Um, you know, we, our church fortunately has so many great opportunities to travel and, um, and just to support like the foundation. Um, you know, I see um, Betty in the background there. Like 
they do some awesome things. And we had Missionary Day on Monday. I caught some of the uh, some of the talks there, and it's just incredible, like um, the different opportunities that we have to serve and just promote church unity and um, you know things like that. So I just really encourage us as singles or as married people to get out there and um, and be part of those things. And also hospitality. You know, I look out here and I see like I probably stayed at like most of you guys' house at one point or another. Um, so thanks for that. Um, but yeah, continue to be hospitable, and um, you know those are all all great things. So yeah, just on the issue of um, of treating singleness as a mission, that's not at all to to say that those who are married don't have a mission. I mean, every single believer in the body of Christ has a mission, and that mission is supposed to be full time. I think the thing is, is it's a unique mission. Uh, and it's a unique opportunity that we can serve in capacities that are unique to being single. Um, and the question is, are we taking full advantage of that? I mean, Paul, um, as we see in Scripture, um, wasn't married. And, and because of that, God gave him a unique ministry. And so do we see our, our period of singleness for however long it is? You know, maybe it's a lifetime. Maybe it's you know, a few more years or whatever. Do we see this as that window of time? where we are taking full advantage of this unique opportunity to serve in the kingdom of God. Okay. So, um, something that's really important uh, to talk about, uh, if we're talking about singleness, is to talk about relationships. Uh, Because one of the conceptions and one of the misconceptions about singleness is that if you are single, you don't have any meaningful relationships. Um, and that's a lie that is pushed on us from every angle of culture. It's a lie that sometimes percolates up into the church. Um, and and it can, it can ha- end up having really damaging consequences. Um, but it is totally false. Um, God, God has given us um, the gospel of reconciliation. This we, we can have full, meaningful relationships, and that's dependent on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It's not dependent on my marital status. Uh, and so how can we pursue meaningful relationships in a world that says, you know, to be single is to not really have the most meaningful relationships? Um, <clears throat> because if we can go along with the flow of the world, uh, we might end up feeling very lonely. <clears throat> Um, and so, first and foremost, um, like realizing that God is in a relationship with us and that we are called to pour all of our love, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength into that relationship. Um, and that that relationship with God, um, walking moment by moment, as we were, as we were learning today in, in the classes, right, practicing the presence of God, uh, as we're walking with God and and being aware of his presence, that will form and shape all of our other relationships and give meaning and value and weight to every single conversation and relationship that we have. Um, And so along with that, like, um, again, we should, we we mustn't fall into the trap that I can only have a meaningful relationship if I get married, and then that can kind of cause us to get kind of in this state of desperation. Um, And so realizing that if, if we realize that there are meaningful relationships that we can have outside of marriage, it will help make us much more level-headed and discerning as we approach marriage. <clears throat> and 
And so realizing that we are a part of a family um, and that we have a place within that family, um, a place where we belong, uh, is, is huge. And so, not, and so how do we engage in, in the family of God? Um, it, it, takes, it takes effort, uh, and it takes effort, I think, on all sides, right? And so something we're going to talk about later on is how can the church help? Like, is the church bringing in single people and making sure that they're reminded that you are part of this family and you belong here? <clears throat> um, and those relationships within the body of Christ will be very meaningful. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> uh, like I said before, if, if we have this God-centered life, um, and where God is the fulfillment of all of our desires, it gives us the opportunity to evaluate um, any potential marriage relationship down the road, but also just any kind of, any kind of friendship, um, evaluating um, our intentions clearly um, through uh, pursuing any kind of friendship, any kind of relationship. <clears throat> Yeah, and this isn't this isn't a, a a forum on like how to you know get out of singleness, um, right? But there, for many of us, there there might be a transition, right, where we transition from singleness to being married, and that's an important path to go down, and it's an important path to chart. Uh, and so, just we're not going to focus in it on it, but just at least kind of mentioning how it connects to singleness. Um, like, are, are all of our relationships God-honoring? Uh, and how do we evaluate those relationships? Are we, are we pursuing a relationship because we're pursuing kind of our, our base kind of impulses, right? Uh, those desires, um, perhaps desires of the flesh that would kind of pull us in that direction. Um, are we allowing God to have victory over, over those, those desires and to... to to control uh, um, those desires and and move them. <clears throat> so, how can we pursue God honoring relationships? Um, and again, this is not just how do I pursue a spouse, but this is how do I pursue any kind of relationship, especially a relationship with someone of the opposite gender, because uh, something that I think happens. Uh, in our churches, and I think in lots of places, is um, <clears throat> there is a lot of social pressure um, to be married, and um, and I'm very thankful for a church community, a church body, a church denomination that strongly supports marriage and encourages it. Um, but something that is an un- unintended consequence, I think, is when it's encouraged, maybe a little bit too much. To the point where, where um, now there's a lot of pressure on you, and then as a result of that, there's a lot of conjectures. Oh, that person gave a sideways glance to that person over there, or that person is talking to that person over there. And what that really does that 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 weight and that social pressure really kind of dampens any kind of meaningful God-honoring relationships that we can have with you know brothers with sisters and sisters with brothers. And we need to learn how to be able to nurture wholesome friendships that are also careful kind of with, with boundaries uh, so that we're, we're not using those relationships to satisfy our own selfish desires, 
uh, but we're using those relationships to edify the other person and to, and to glorify God and to advance his kingdom. <clears throat> and so there's a culture shift that I think needs to happen within our church as it relates to how brothers and sisters interact with each other. Uh, and, and that starts with, with me. Uh, and I think sometimes that starts with just being vulnerable to kind of go against kind of the social pressure and not allow the pressure to kind of make me like not build any meaningful friendships with, with sisters, but to, to do that in a way that's God-honoring. <clears throat> oh, right. Um, <clears throat> so I think we've talked about a lot of these things. Um, but it's really important to be um, open and accountable. Um, whatever your relationship looks like, uh, whatever kind of relationship it is, um, not doing anything in secret. Uh, and I think this is, this is something that is um, an issue within a lot of our churches and a lot of young people who are single and maybe are pursuing marriage um, is uh, our church, um, like oh, dating is discouraged. Uh, and, and then again, like that combined with kind of this social pressure that doesn't really allow for a lot of wholesome, normal friendships between uh, brothers and sisters, um, what ca- it can lead to is, well, I'm going to start pursuing this relationship kind of on a dating level, but I need to keep it quiet because there'll be too much negative stigma. And, and it, that is not a good idea. Um, pursuing that kind of relationship in isolation and secrecy has a lot of dangers. Um, and it's very important to be open and accountable. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and seeking wisdom from brothers and sisters. Because, uh, I mean, uh, ask anyone who's married and in um, that kind of intimate relationship, like, it has its difficulties and it has its, its, its dangers and its pitfalls and we need wisdom so that we, it, it can be um, something that... Is good. <clears throat> um, yeah, setting godly boundaries. Um, <clears throat> right, like spiritual and mental boundaries. Um, I think, uh, like physical boundaries are, I think, what's often gone to, and those are super important. Um, uh, like how the use of touch is, is really important. But also in... in uh, a relationship, you know, let's say it's, it's just a friendship between a brother and a sister, um, what kind of spiritual and kind of mental boundaries are there as well, right? Like, am I starting to invest too much of my, my love or my hope or my desire that should be on God and placing it on this person? Um, <clears throat> and, um, yeah, and just be reminding ourselves who we are in Christ. <clears throat> Um, and just to emphasize that point, I think that's important to really establish who God has created you to be and become and understand who you are in Christ. Um, because once you've kind of established that, you you are not looking for a spouse who can complete you or your better half. It's like, okay, I am you know a God like like God wants me here right now, and and I have my. I have what God is wanting me to do in my life. And if someone comes along and they're pursuing the same thing, it's just a complementary of that, right? It's not me compromising my values or my beliefs because I know who I am in Christ. 
Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Um, yeah, and so just be mindful, being intentional when we're building relationships with anyone, but especially with people of the opposite sex, um, making sure that um, like we, we are intentional about building those relationships, but also making sure that we're not sending kind of unnecessary mixed signals or we're not reading into anything that we shouldn't be. Um, and, and also, I think something that kind of um, uh, we should be mindful of in terms of pursuing relationships is we often think that, and that like, we need to be perfectly, if, if we're thinking about marriage, right, um, that there needs to be like perfect 100% compatibility, right? We have these dating websites now where you kind of plug in all of your interests, all of your hobbies, all of everything, and it runs the algorithm and gives you the best match. Um, I think that that kind of approach is, is dangerous. I don't want to spend too much time on it because, this, again, this is about singleness, not about uh, pursuing uh, marriage. Um, but uh, that, that can affect the way we live our single lives, um, right? Realizing that uh, if we're pursuing a marriage relationship, um, the first and foremost compatibility is Jesus Christ abiding in their lives and their lives conforming to to what God is doing in their lives and being obedient to that. <clears throat> um, yeah, so just in terms of the culture shift and what we can do, um, yeah, like, let's try and overcome these misconceptions. Um, let's be intentional and have these kinds of discussions uh, and have these discussions kind of on the offside too, right, where we can be open and uh, where we can talk about these these things, because if we don't, then like um, it's like all these things can kind of fall through the cracks. Um, <clears throat> promote healthy male-female friendships um, and consider others' perspectives as well. Um, right, bring in that accountability. <clears throat> okay. Um, so, um, we can think about what it means to pursue a life that's wholly devoted to Christ. Um, and so, there are good reasons for being single, and there are bad reasons for being single. Um, and so, like, if we're saying this, this place of singleness that I'm in, I want to use it fully for God... Um, like, singleness should never be because we're avoiding commitment. And that's, I think, something that a lot of us struggle with. Um, and that's, that's not a good reason for, for staying single. Um, and also, like what was kind of already mentioned, right? Just like, it's, I, I have more freedom, right? And that means I can kind of, I can end up living a very self-centered lifestyle. And just marriage is a lot of work. And, I mean, I mean, like, people get in trouble when they go into marriage not realizing that it's a lot of work, um, if they've kind of had these kind of rosy expectations. But also, I think uh, we can sometimes um, not be following God's path when we're just kind of completely close to that option because um, we enjoy kind of the, like, a more self-centered lifestyle. And so those aren't aren't good reasons for being single. Um, But the, the good reasons for being single is, again, it's, this is where God has me at this moment. 
and I want to use and maximize this opportunity in my commitment to God and to glorify Him in every way that I possibly can. <clears throat> All right. Well, now we move on into the struggles of singleness. Um, and we have quite a, a, a few issues here, or not issues, but some real struggles, both on the male and female side. So all of these, like, males and females can relate to to some degree. I just wanted to talk about um, a few of them from a female perspective. Um, so in terms of autonomy, I think that's it, at least in my, my life with, with where I work and um, just like people I've come across with, um, autonomy is a huge thing for females. Um, and the, where we're at this mentality now where, you know, women can do everything a man can, can do, but even better. Um, and I think as female Christians in the church, we need to really understand the biblical role and the biblical place that a female Christian has, um, a healthy, healthy view on that, um, and make sure that, you know, we're, we're not usurping um, the, the, uh, the Christian man's authority in, in, in certain contexts, um, and just being a godly, a godly woman. Um, and companionship and physical protection um, can also be sometimes a female struggle um, because we, we, we're seeing that in, in society, right? Like, the man is always supposed to protect the woman. Um, and I know that's a very generalization, um, but these are real struggles that um, females can, can feel. Yeah, so I was going to talk about accountability and mentorship. Um, you know, I think as a single person and just as someone, lived, you know, growing up in today's day and age, um, you know, we're kind of left to, uh, to determine life on our own terms. And sometimes that, well, a lot of times that can get us into trouble. So, um, you know, seeking someone out to be accountable to and, um, you know, meeting on like a monthly basis or something is a great way to get started. Um, and I think there's this temptation to be like, okay, well, I'm single um, I can do whatever I want, and you know maybe we lived under a, you know our parents' roof for so long or whatever, and we can't wait to kind of get out of there and experience life on our own terms. But um, I think accountability is, is huge, um, and um, and along with that comes the mentorship piece of that. And then um, you know I've, I've talked about complacency earlier, and um, sometimes it's amazing how the the weeks and the months and the years just tick by and. Um, you know, maybe we just, we haven't done things that we wanted to do, or uh, maybe we passed on opportunities that we should have capitalized on. So I think, um, you know, there's never a better time to change than now. And if you feel called to do something, or um, if, if, you know, you want to serve in the mission field or do something like that, um, you know, it's, it's not something to kick the, can, kick the can down the road for a later date. That's um, something we should be seriously considering, so. Yeah, and just with accountability, like, um, a single people, we shouldn't think that, right, the, um, the struggles, like sexual struggles are, you know, for married people to kind of stay faithful to their, their marriage relationship. And, and I, I mean, that's obvious, right? I mean, like, we all have sexual struggles. Um, but I think we can sometimes come to believe that because we think, well, the consequences of, 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 of these, these struggles and going down these roads, I'm not going to be wrecking a family or anything like that. But again, like that, that is something we need to struggle against. Uh, it is going to um, affect all of our relationships, 
um, and it is going to have an, a ripple effect in, in uh, the community that, that God has us in. So um, I want to kind of open it up to the floor for a, a, few, a few minutes and, and see if there are any other struggles. So before anyone does that, um, just be aware that this is recorded. Um, the Q&A after this session will not be recorded. Um, so is there anything that we kind of missed? Uh, you don't have to explain it. You can just kind of shout it out if you want to. It can be something that you've experienced or something that you've seen other single people experience in terms of struggles. I think the struggle is that. I think that might be like a, a, a broad, like a broad brush, um, you know, which is probably true for all singles, but in our church, I think it's even more unique and. Oh, no, <laughs> I, I think it's even harder. I was 33 when I got married, so I've gone through all of this stuff before, too. Um, I think as our church, it came up a little bit, but many people are very insensitive to the singles with the comments that you make. Why aren't you married? I was waiting on God. I don't know. Do you have somebody picked out for me? I mean, literally, we have to keep our mouths shut and not say horrible things, but then we go home and think about that and... We may already have wrestled with that and come to a conclusion, but now you're bringing it back up again. So we're trying, we, I'm not, I'm not single anymore, but singles are trying to live out what they believe God has called them to do and be in their state they are now, and we should be encouraging one another, not bringing up these things. It's not, you know, we, we're relying on God for our spouse, so for someone to make that comment is very insensitive. Be very careful what you say to a single person. Encourage them. Invite them over for lunch. They don't, they've grown home to their apartment alone. So we should be an encouraging church to singles and realizing that they have a very important part with our children in our church. There's so many things they can do, and we should encourage them in that and not be a stumbling block. Thank you. And we'll, we'll get into more of the church's role um, further on in the presentation. along the line of what was just mentioned, uh, something related came up in the forum this morning about uh, those who have lost a, a spouse and how awkward it is to go into a gathering of mainly couples and there's a table there with two chairs left over. You go join that table and then one chair goes to waste. Or, or what do you do? And I, I could see that same struggle for a single person. Uh, I haven't been in that position, but I can imagine that it would be 
a struggle. Mm -hmm. how, do, how do you relate mm -hmm. to these mostly married I want to say, like, on the subject of promoting healthy, you know, female-to-male friendships, gossip is incredibly destructive. And when you see that maybe a brother and a sister, they just have a, a good friendship in the church, to not gossip and talk about that as if, you know, there's some sort of future ul ulterior motive to that, because it's so destructive to, to that. And, and we can really, like, brothers and sisters can learn from each other and have value in those relationships without there needing to be, you know, an additional component of seeking after marriage in that. And, and I just want to encourage everybody to, I'm guilty of it, we're all guilty of it, gossiping and talking about that, or playing the matchmaking game, like, ooh, such and such would be so perfect with such and such. Like, honestly, that is so hurtful. Like, especially if you hear about it third hand, you're like, oh, man, why are people talking about me like that? Why, why can't we say, man, if such and such could get involved in this mission, that would be incredible. Instead of such and such should really be pursuing this woman. Like, I don't know, just some encouragement for all of us. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it seems like all these comments are kind of going toward, leaning towards our next, our next slide, so I'm going to kind of jump into that. So the church's role, so we've kind of talked about that a little bit already. Um, so we've kind of talked about how the church should be supporting singles and, and you know, kind of nurturing that healthy female-male relationships um, and not making those comments, focusing more on, um, you know, praying for them to become who God wants them to be, right? Like those types of prayers and not, you know, wishing that they get married so that their life gets better or whatever, right? Um, so I just wanted to kind of, the, the next, these four points I find are very, it kind of starts with each individual person, right? Like, single or married. We have to like look self-reflect and see, you know, what is it that God wants um, for singles. Um, and first and foremost, start praying, praying for them. Pray that we would delight in God. Um, pray that we, we would provide, God would provide the best for us, whatever that may look like. Um, you know, that we would rest content in his daily provision, focusing on seeking ways to glorify him um, and what's and, and glorify him with what he's given us right at this moment. Because um, there are so many things that we can do. You know, at work, I've got, you know, like a building full of spiritually starving um, coworkers. And am I sharing the gospel to them? Am I really taking that um, opportunity to do that? And after work, like, what am I doing with my time, right? Like, um, and those are key things that we should be praying for. And in that praying type of setting, we're going to start encouraging our singles. Um, and then eventually that cultural shift will come naturally, right? It'll, it'll just be an organic um, shift and will eventually foster a healthy view of marriage and singleness. And I think that's, that's very important for us to keep in mind. So um, flipping to a more positive side of things, how do, how do I encourage singles? What are some things that I might do to encourage a single person? I already said it, but I'm going to say it again. Support them in whatever mission it is that God has for them. Okay. Anything else? Just alongside that, I know um, some people, um, singles, feel like they sometimes, um, some of them don't feel like they can raise their hand and say, like, oh, I want to help with this. I think reaching out to, like, some of the younger singles and encouraging them, like, oh, you have this gift, or I see that you know, God can use you here. Sometimes you need to 
communicate that to them and then give them some confidence to move forward. I think um, there, there's a single sister in our church that uh, is so unassuming, just a lovely, lovely Christian woman. Uh, really, she never really spoke to church at all. You could hardly ever hear her saying anything. But man, if she wasn't the first one in the parking lot for every single event. I mean, if you expect someone to be there, she's going to be there. 100%, she's going to be there. And I told her her attendance and her dedication to church service was such a testimony to me as a single person. And uh, so I think that's absolutely one way um, that, that we can encourage each other. Uh, when you spoke of the use of your time, uh, Natalia, um, being, being to church on time uh, and being there for Wednesdays and making it a priority, I think it's an absolute reflection of what's in your heart. Uh, and that service to Christ because we're serving each other. Uh, another thing I used to do is actually um, show up to church, but show up to events and support events. And the hardest part was making that transition from approaching your 20s and you're like, preaching up to your 30s and you're like, am I going to be the oldest one there? And so I look at church camp and I'm like, great, where's that whole generation? Where are they? And so I just encourage some of them if you all show up, then we're all there. Like, I'm not going to get No, I'm not. just going to be there. I'm like, because you're staying home. Like, you got to go. You got to go. So I used to go to, like, all the fire programs and sing in the choir because I actually really enjoy it um, more than actually sitting and listening. I, I really do love to sing in those programs. And quite often, more recently now, um, uh, it, one of the oldest, if not the oldest person singing, uh, and so sometimes I hear, seriously, you're going to give that up? What are you still doing up there? So that's discouraging. Don't do that to people. Um, but one of the reasons I did it is because I didn't want the other girls to feel like they were going to be the oldest one. So, you know, if everyone shows up, there, there's a benefit. And I must say, there are a few choirs that you were in that I was like, okay, I feel pretty good now that I'm. <laughs> okay, um, I just wanted to move on just to get this. I, I know there's um, a missionary presentation at three, so I'm just going to end with this with this slide here. So, further um, with the church's role, these are some self-reflecting um, questions I want everyone to ask themselves. So, does my attempt to encourage singles have the opposite effect? So we've kind of talked about this quite a. Few few times during this presentation, um, have I kept up with my single friends? So sometimes, you know, in this excitement of, of getting engaged and married, um, we might, you know, kind of, you know, single, our single friends are not the most important part of our lives at that moment, and I think it's really important to kind of keep up with your, their, your friendships and really have an invested interest in their lives. Um, do I overlook mature, gifted singles for church responsibilities? And I think this is a big, huge one, you know, like, do I want to be stuck babysitting <laughs> um, at events, or should I be given more um, challenging roles that will challenge my, my spiritual life? Um, do I relegate certain responsibilities only to singles, kind of going on, um, on the, along the same lines? Do I overthink my invitations to singles when I host ga gatherings? So am I worried about, oh, is it, does it look like a double date if you know, there's two singles and me and my husband, or um, is there even a number of people or whatever? Um, just kind of not really, again, like the purpose, um, kind of what I talked about earlier in the forum, like 
you know, singleness and marriage, it's, it, it, that doesn't really matter. It's our individual um, relationships with Christ um, that should um, make us stand out. You know, we shouldn't be defined by our status. And um, I, I, I don't think that, you know, withholding invitations from single people just because they might feel uncomfortable, I don't think that's um, very valid. Um, and do I view all singles as the same? So there are quite a, a diverse group of singles. Um, so I just want to, I don't want to miss mess this one up. Um, so they hold many different titles and exist in many different stages. Some are doctors, mothers, executives, college students. Um, singles vary maturity, responsibilities, and life callings just as widely as everyone else. So they're no more homogenous group than married couples. Um, and we should remember singles in our church family are not one and the same, realizing that the life of a 40-year-old working single may vary dramatically from a 20-year-old single college student or a 55-year-old widow. And we should be careful to not have the most defining label in one life's be single. Um, and am I sensitive to the general support singles need? So in a period of loss, you know, we don't have that, we might have a best friend, but we don't have like that close companion that we can kind of share our struggles with. Um, and are we um, sensitive to that and, and offering our support during those times and reaching out to them? Um, and does the term single mean anything more to me than marital status? And again, it's, you know, Christ defines us. It's not, it's not our marital status that defines us. Um, did I miss? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, so just, just to kind of wrap it all up, um, this is a, an info word graphic. Um, <laughs> so it, it defines church. So, you know, survey went out, and they were asked, how do you define church? And the bigger words um, show the more the people, more of the responses that um, people provided. Um, so obviously God and community, word spread, they're, they're the most popular responses. Um, and ultimately the church is Christ's bride and its ultimate role is to delight in God and praise him as his people and to go out into the world and spread the gospel. And our relationships with, with one another as spiritual brothers and sisters are eternally significant. Um, and God commands his children to commune with, care for, and love one another. Um, furthermore, he delights in that, that type of relationship in his church. Um, and God calls us to serve his church, and he calls us to holiness. And I think, you know, when we, call, when we foster this healthy view of marriage and singleness, um, I, I feel like we can work together and we can be used, singles can be used um, to further God's kingdom. And when we're working like this together as a church, I, I believe that's what the true church is. You know, we're not defining each other with, with these, these temporal labels. We're, we're maximizing each individual's talents, godly talents that they have, um, and ultimately, you know, spreading the Great Commission and doing the Great Commission as God has called us to do.